0: This is Growing Your Successful Business. The podcast for you, the entrepreneur, to learn valuable lessons from the experiences of fellow business owners sharing the secrets of their success and the critical lessons they have learned along the way. As well as experts giving their advice on how to navigate the pitfalls in their industry to help you better run your business. Here's your host, Brian Harding. Hey now, and good day. Thanks for stopping by again and check out our little podcast here. And I'll remind you not to be afraid to tell a friend or an associate, a coworker, a, a peer in your industry. Uh, don't be fr- afraid to subscribe, share, rate and review, all that good stuff. And I'll remind you, you can reach me at brian at brianlharding.com or growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com. Today, we're super lucky to have Karen Rosenswag on to talk to us about some marketing stuff, specifically with um, uh, social media. So welcome, Karen. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're gonna have a good time today, even though uh, uh, this is a, one of those things that's like IT and marketing and SEO and and uh, social media. It's kind of baffling for a lot of us, but uh, so that's good for us to talk about. So let me tell you guys listening who Karen is. Karen Rosenswag is a marketing consultant, social media coach and trainer, author, and owner of One Smart Cookie Marketing. She has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs and small business owners increase their customer base and gain visibility through face, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn blogging, and other social media tools. Her coaching program allows her to act as uh, training wheels for a business, teaching them how to authentically and successfully manage their own social media. She's a fun and dynamic speaker and presents engaging workshops to audiences eager to learn uh, how to leverage social media tools to to make more money in their business. Uh, One Smart Cookie Marketing is a consulting firm in Tacoma uh, focused on uh, training small business owners how to effectively use their social media platforms and also helping entrepreneurs develop fun and creative marketing strategies to build relationships and make more money. So, uh, one smart cookie marketing is not your first foray into business, right? You had you had something before, Why don't right? You tell this us is th-
1: my second business. So, I, I had a public relations and marketing career in the past, uh, mostly in college sports, and then in the high tech industry in San Francisco.
0: I, missed, I missed the first part. Yeah, what kind of business?
1: Public relations public and marketing. Relations. Gotcha. Okay. So, I worked for other people for about twenty years, and. There came a point where I was kind of tired of Cubicle Nation. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to work for other people. I didn't like the coworker politics and really was looking for something else to do. And I read an article in the Seattle Times about a woman who worked in public relations and became a personal chef. And cooking was a passion of mine and I did it all the time on demand for my friends and family. So I thought if I could find a way to cook and people would pay me money, I'd have it made. Right. So I called her, uh, she told me how she did it, took a few courses and I just opened my business. It was called Incredible Chef. And uh, that was my first business and I sat around and waited for the phone to ring and didn't really know what it meant to own a business. So (laughs) that was my first big lesson in understanding that you need other people and that people aren't ever going to come looking for you. So um, I learned about uh, networking groups and using the power of referrals and and all that. So that was my first business and I had that about six years and then I got tired of cooking. But um, more importantly, LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook became important tools about 10 years ago. And I got the passion to get to jump back in and help people grow their business through that instead. So, packed up the pots and pans and started a business helping um, clients, mostly in the food industry. Because as a personal chef, I met a lot of people in the food world, and they said, "If you can figure this out, we'll hire you to teach us." And that was the launching nice. of that business.
0: Right. So, on the first business done, you open the doors in on day one, and you're expecting the phone to light up, and it didn't. And uh, that's not an uncommon uh, situation for folks who have started a business. I think that's. I would, I would estimate somewhere around eighty percent of us experience a very similar kind of a story. We certainly did when we started our business, and other folks that I've had on here talked about that that same thing as well. Um, so you you were able to leverage relationships you had from your cooking world to kind of be a springboard for your 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 new business, right? So talk about why why the relationships mattered. I mean, what 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 what, is, what does that do for you?
1: Well, there's an old adage in the marketing world that people um, hire people that they know, like, and trust. And so as a personal chef, excuse me, as a personal chef, people were not gonna hand me the keys to their house and let me in and not poison them, let the dog run away, steal anything, burn the house down. So there was this immense amount of trust somebody had to have to hire me. So I realized I needed other people to vouch for me and make those introductions and oh, well here, meet Karen. I trust her, she's okay. Then all of a sudden the doors were open And so people weren't going to call someone out of the blue right um, and and hand over that kind of privilege so i learned really quickly that you think you start a business because you want to work for yourself and you can do it all yourself and then the ironic part is you need all these other people to make it work
0: yeah isn't isn't that the funny thing (laughs) yep so you you start a business because you don't want to work for somebody else and you want the freedom and you want all this and that and then uh if you have zero employees you're still relying on everybody else. And if you have right. even one employee, you're relying on that one employee more than than you ever would have relied on a coworker. Right. It's kind of kind of an ironic uh, twist of fate for, for people who started a business. Yeah, it was it?
1: sad a sad truth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a great way to put it. It is a sad truth. Yeah, you, you want all this autonomy and stuff, and then you figure out you can't do it on your own. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge believer, of, for folks who listen to this, I know that I'm a huge believer in that relationship thing. Um, it's one of those things that, again, we can fight it as much as we want. It is the way it is. I think Dale Carnegie first wrote that phrase. People buy from who they know, like and trust, in like right. 1944 or something like that. How that old? Okay. Um, it's been around a while. Yeah. Uh, it's from uh, I think it's from How to Make Friends and Influence People. I could be wrong on okay. the on the book it's from, but um, that that saying has been around for a, a long time. And here we are, you know, 70 years later, and it's right. still pretty true. Um, so you 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 mentioned how uh, these relationships helped you kind of be a springboard, but. Well, I think one of the things that you mentioned uh, when we were talking beforehand, and, and some of the notes you gave me, um, that we haven't talked to when we talk about relationships and networking and all that kind of stuff, is that the idea that that when you once you begin these relationships, it's not only a relationship with the person who might be a, a client for you themselves, right? But they become your sales force. Yes. And you can create strategic alliances and things like that to kind of help everybody. So, why don't you talk about how that how that's worked for you?
1: Yeah, I think one of the phrases that I heard early on was. Um, You don't sell to the room, but you sell through the room. Oh, nice. So, I, I was involved in a group called BNI, Business mm-hmm. Network International, yep. and I learned quite a bit um, from some experts in really word of mouth marketing, which is what it comes down to, of getting other people to work on your behalf. So, if I come and sell to a room of 25, 30 people and everyone that needs me buys from me and then they're done, I'm, you know, then I'm washed up. I've got to go on to the next place. But right. if I can teach them, what's a great referral for me and how to look for people that are good clients for me, then they can go out and replicate that. And I don't need anybody in that room actually to ever buy from me if they're willing to be sort of that walking, talking billboard. So that was really where I discovered the key is instead of waiting around for people to come find me, I would send out these little people like little walking, talking billboards. And, um, you know, I, you have to give them phrases and things to look for. And, you know, when somebody says this, think of me or, when someone is doing this, ask them if they've ever heard of this. And so if you train people to be this free sales force essentially for you, and of course I think the big thing is you have to return the favor. So people are out working for you and looking for you, you have to do the same for them or else it doesn't last very long. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So in those kind of networking environments like a BNI and things like that, Uh, Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Is that like a natural environment for you or is that that a struggle for you?
1: Yeah, extrovert for sure. Um, I love groups of people. I love to be in the front of the room. If I'm not teaching and talking and training, I get a little itchy. Um, (laughs) Unless I'm learning because I love to learn. Lifelong learner for sure. But that's um, I really like to show people, which is why I have segued into more of a coaching practice than um, you hiring me to make your social media problem go away because right. I like to sit with you and train you how to do it yourself in whatever time you have every week because you become empowered then to own your own brand in your own voice. And you are actually building the relationships with people following you instead of me sitting home in my garage making up you know messages for somebody that I don't even work for. So the authenticity of uh, representing your business on social media is becoming more and more important. Um, you know, all the Facebook privacy, and all the things that are scaring people away from social media are often because we don't even know who we're talking to and who we're communicating with, even though we think we do.
0: Right. So one of the things before we move on, one of the things I want to uh, just mention, when I was reading through the stuff you sent me to prepare for this, um, one of the things that jumped out at me was was you were talking about those alliances and, and teaching people to be a sales force and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of occurred to me that one of the things that business owners struggle with is... Um, allocating their time, and mm. they're always too busy to go to the networking thing. They're always too busy to go to this this chamber of commerce thing. Or, right. um, and they, what they what they, I what I hear frequently is I, I, I carve out two hours a day for prospecting, mm. and prospecting. I mean, I'm okay. Well, prospecting is a you know a three percent return or one percent return right. activity. Networking is is a, a longer game for sure. Mm-hmm. But I find it interesting that I hear folks constantly saying that they don't have time to go to a networking event. And then they go back to their office and they they put their head down and close the door and they do prospecting. They send emails and make cold right. calls and things like that. Um, it just seems, you know, it, it's just kind of backwards in my mind. Right. You know, it it. And again, I understand in those situations. It seems like you know, you need to get something done today, and the networking things kind of a longer game, but. From my experience, the longer game pays off huge dividends versus the the short-term kind of planning.
1: And back even to the last point we were talking about, you don't know who knows who. So when you walk into a room, those might not be your ideal clients or you think this isn't worth my time and energy, but those people's neighbor might be the the big company you've been trying to get in with or just the introduction into a whole group of people that you never would have been able to make. So it is, um, and again, not going there with the intention of who can I meet today to open a door for me, but you go genuinely wanting to help. So there's another phrase, a giver's gain. Yeah. So when you show up and you give to people, they most of the time naturally want to give back to you. And so that's the Ignite You, the networking group that we both belong to is really very evident of that. Those are the right. relationships and people that show up and aren't ready to give, don't they don't last, they don't come back and you all of a sudden don't see them anymore because- right. They didn't, they didn't realize they had. To, it was a two-way street. Yeah. They came and thought they could start pushing business cards and business would flow. So right. the building relationships and word-of-mouth marketing will last you your whole life, no matter what. You can keep transitioning businesses, which is great. Um, it's not great to always transition. But if as you transition businesses, your whole network comes with you. So if people like you and genuinely respect you as a person, whatever business you go into, they are eager to help you support it, which for me as a personal chef, then I became social media. That doesn't seem connected at all. Right. But those people... Um, know who I am as a person and they're like, Oh, well now I'll find you people that need social media. Okay. Just because they liked me so that sure. that relationship is everything. Um, I don't really know how people do cold calling. Um, that's just something that freaks me out quite yeah. a bit actually to, to call in cause I don't like to be rejected and I don't think most people do. So I'm, right. I'm an extrovert, but I don't like to be rejected. So I play the odds of I'm going to show up where I'm going to be yeah. welcomed and people are looking for something I want rather than, t- uh, cause I don't answer the phone if I don't know who it is. So I don't right. know why other people would. So I just don't use that method at all.
0: Sure. So, um, one of the next big wins, or one of the w- big wins you had in your, in your, uh, in your new marketing business is was you got a, a big break and you got Ray's Boathouse in Seattle. Right. How'd you pull that off? I mean, you didn't, you didn't have any credentials. You didn't have any experience. Right. How, how'd you well, no,
1: I, I don't wouldn't say I didn't have any credentials, but again, it was relationships. So, um, at the start of my business, I was helping restaurants and chefs on a small level. So people that were in business for themselves or maybe had one restaurant, mm-hmm. but, I went to a lot of networking events where food people went to and I built relationships with people. And one of the people I, I met was the marketing director at Ray's Boathouse. And she knew absolutely nothing about social media and it terrified her. But she's like, well, you're really smart about this. Come and I'll buy you lunch and you can tell me what I should be doing. And we started this relationship of she would feed me and I'd show up and give her some little tips to make her look better at her job. Right. Well, the day came when she decided she was going to move on to another company and they needed somebody to step in and fill the gap for her. and they, she thought of me because I had been giving, giving, giving. I right. mean, she hadn't been paying me other than in food, which is no big deal to a restaurant. Yeah. And so she said, well, Karen can step in. She knows our company. She's been helping me. We already worked on projects. And so I came for a three or four month project, I thought, to fill in while they found somebody else. And I ended up staying four years. Right. Just because I knew the business and they decided having a consultant to work for them part time. Um was a better solution. And so that relationship was what got me in the door. And then as a big restaurant, I mean, Ray's was a $10 million restaurant a year and yeah. 40 years old. So if I said I worked at Ray's Boathouse, it opened doors for me with all kinds of other people because that was all they needed to know is if you can work at Ray's, okay, you can help us.
0: Right, and that's one of the things that, that stuck out for me is is, um, for folks who were in any phase of, of the restaurant or any phase of their own business, when you have a, a big a big get like that, mm-hmm. you know, get permission from them to 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 promote that, and if you're doing a good job for them, they're always going to say yes. Yeah, of course you can let folks know that you're working for us. Right. And then that's a that's a huge tool, that to, a sales tool. I mean, right. if you can if you can say you're working for one of the most well known largest restaurants in the area in right. your case or whatever your business is and whoever your clients are, whoever the big fish are in your in your world. Right. Um. Man, that's a, that's a huge huge opportunity to. To let folks know, and then if you can handle that size customer, well, then you're you're prepared to handle another customer that size. Yeah, and, and I
1: think it's um, it was a great thing while it lasted, and then, you know, I got hit with the, the curse of the one large client, too, though, of when they decided to move on and hire an ad agency with a lot more capabilities than I had right. because they were growing, which was great, and I wished them well, and it was time to move on, but all of a sudden, I had a huge gap in my life, right, and I needed more clients, but using that relationship and actually they were eager to help me too they're like hey let us introduce you to some people because they wanted to help me because we had a good relationship so again relationships are everything and if you have um, a good situation with people even when you leave them they want you to do well and they will help you find the next great thing instead Mm -hmm. of just sending you off and never speaking again so if you don't have relationships you really don't have anything i don't in the marketing world
0: yeah I, that's yeah I think that's a great point point. and then you uh you decided to hire a business coach <laughs> uh, so tell, tell us what what prompted that why would you why would you, why did this occur to you how's it worked out for you
1: yeah I think five or six years into my business I really wasn't sure I wanted to do it anymore so I didn't want to go cook again for sure but um people started learning LinkedIn Facebook Twitter figuring it out on their own and there weren't as many clients and posting about restaurants every day, kind of got old. And I just thought, is this really all there is? I have so many other marketing tools to use. And so I started thinking about going back to that cubicle nation, the corporate world. And it kind of freaked me out thinking I had to be somewhere eight to five and monitoring, but I thought, well, but a paycheck. And so I was balancing all these things, trying to decide how do you figure this out and evaluate the options. And in my BNI group, I had uh, a business coach that many people had used and had raved about and she was a little bit of a life coach, a little bit of a business coach to kind of merge the two and try to make everything work in your life. So I went and thought, okay, I'll spend a couple months with you and figure out what the answer is and decide. And it's been four years. I'm still there because every day I show up in, or every day, every two weeks I show up and we talk about my strategies and my, you know, where are we building the relationships? Where are you showing up? What's the next thing? How far out are we looking? I never had financial goals. I never, I just shuddered and only looked at money and what tax time. And she made me look at my numbers and build goals (laughs) and are we tracking to things and, and, but also just a more of a holistic of what is your, why and why should people want to work with you? And what are you giving to the world? And there are times when clients aren't very nice or don't do what they're supposed to. And I think, okay, you're done. I'm going to fire you. But I never now I I call my business coach and I rant to her and she takes it all and then goes, "Okay, well, here's a way you could reply or here's what I think is probably they really need. And I never would have thought of that. I just would have had that, you know, sort of shotgun of like, "Okay, you're dead to me. Bye bye. I'll find somebody (laughs) new. And it's I think a lot of business owners do that when it gets hard. They just send the people away because this is why I started a business is to work with who I want. So if I don't want you anymore, you go away. Right. But, you know, she really got me to step back and. Figure out well. You have to work through the problems and find the answer because guess what? Those people keep coming until you figure it out. Like that's kind of those life lessons is they keep visiting you until you get them. Yeah. (laughs) And so the business coach, yeah, she really helped me figure out that how to stay on track. And when I still got tempted, I would see full time jobs at companies. I thought, oh, this would be the end all. And she'd say, okay, so are you ready to go to work from eight to five? Are you, you know, um, you're not going to see your dog all day. You're not going to be out out playing in your garden. You're not uh, like the things that being self employed allows you this luxury to kind of pad your schedule with whatever. And I could get my work done in two or three hours a day, but you're going to have to sit there for eight hours. What do you think about that? And I'm like, oh. yeah. So it's just a great reminder of, and really it's what I do for my uh, clients as well. So when they start to get disenchanted with social media or don't like to market their business, I kind of remind them of what's the alternative if you don't and what will, what the other side looks like. And then they go, okay, you're right. Show me something new. So it was really, I thought business coaches, that was crazy. You can figure out how to run your own business. So it was really eye opening to me to understand how much accountability. And again, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of bravado and think, I can figure this out. I don't really need other people to tell me how to run my business. And it was a little shocking to go, oh, yeah, I need advice and right. I need perspective and I need somebody who has more experience than I do. And all of a sudden things work a lot better.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, they, they start off with their, their set of school, uh, skills and we don't have them all. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are better at people and not so good with tasks. Well, mm-hmm. that's great for building a team, except for you don't ever get to the point where you build a team because you don't ever get anything done. Right. And then you have the, con- you know, the converse side of that, which is I'm good at uh, tasks, but I'm not good at building a team. And I can get a lot of stuff done, but now I can't turn over control to anybody else, and now I'm just a one-person operation for my entire life. And right. and uh, I think that hiring uh, experts or just surrounding yourself with people who are smart and can mentor you and things like that, um, again, our egos kind of get in the way, it seems like, because we, we, people who have the gumption to start a business maybe aren't the most um, uh, well-versed at listening. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they might think they're the smartest person in the room most of the time, and and uh, uh, having to overcome your ego and, and say, eh, "I probably should talk to somebody about this." That's that's right. a that's a that's a pretty giant step for some of us to to talk about, you know.
1: Well, valuing the experience of other people is a huge lesson, I think, in owning your own business. So thinking, well, I can do my books, and I can. You, you start to think you can do all these little tasks because they're not a big deal. And like, well, if I pay you, then I have less money. So I'll just figure it out myself. And then you don't evaluate the time it takes for you to make all the mistakes that they've already made. And right. you know, you're paying for somebody to efficiently do something um, so that you can do what you love in that other time. And it, it all works out, but it, it's, you have to suspend disbelief. They're thinking if I give you money somehow I'm behind, but right. it always turns out if I give somebody money, I actually double or triple or quadruple my money because of the advice they give. So it's um, and if I want to be an expert in my field, I have to support other people that are experts in their field. That's what makes this whole entrepreneur thing go around. Because mm-hmm. if we don't support other people, they're not going to have a job. And then no one's going to fix that thing for us that we can't do. So that's why these networking groups are so invaluable because you find the thing you didn't even know you needed. Right. And like, Oh my God, somebody does that. Like I needed that. I didn't know where the piece was coming from. And so um, I love to also, I'd love to be around business owners who are always thinking big and what's the next thing instead of, um, in a corporate world, there's a lot of status quo and like, this is my job and I'm going to retire and this is the way it will be to the day I die. Yeah. I didn't want that. I wanted people to be like, oh, did you see this new thing? Or, oh, I'm going to, I'm dumping this business, starting this one. Are, you know, people are just dumping things upside down and being creative all the time. And that energy and knowing what's in the marketplace across a lot of different um, industries is really invigorating.
0: Right. And I think one of the things you hit on with the with the coach is it's good just to have somebody to call and just vent to. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to make an emotional quick decision... It's not always the best time to make a decision, and right. and you could you could really do something that's catastrophic just just because it feels good for thirty seconds, and yeah. then pay the consequences of that for six months or or six years even. I mean, so I think I think just having the ability to have somebody just to call and. Scream and yell too, and tell them how you feel about something, and then okay, yeah. got that done. Now let's let's make a logical decision, and then let's, let's strategize. I call her it. my
1: speed bump sometimes because I, you know, it's <laughs> just like slow down, and before you make a rash decision, and honestly, and then she'll say, "Well, what if you said this?" And I write, I write it down, and almost I have channel her, yeah. and I say things I think I would never say this. I'm not sure I even believe it, but I think I have to save it, say it to save the relationship. Right, and it works every single time. I'm like, why didn't I not? I it's a resource she provides and I just never took advantage of it. And then I, run I realized she's done this a million times, so if I just took the lessons learned and apply them, that always makes everything go smoother. So right. having a business coach, I would have done it from day one had I known. Um, and now I don't, I guess, can't imagine doing my business without some accountability and guidance and expertise.
0: Yeah. And that's, a, that's a, the, I think one of the most significant things also is the accountability piece. When, when you're the, the owner, you're the boss, whether it's your, just you yourself, or you have a team of two, or you have mm-hmm. a team of forty-five, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, it's easy to fall in that trap of, of, you know, you lose that accountability and you lose those boundaries, and you lose, and and you can get you can get kind of out of sorts if you don't have that.
1: <laughs> yeah, she'll pull out a piece of paper and go, "Well, on January fifth, twenty eighteen, you said that you wanted this. Is that still true? I mean, so not making you wrong, but right. just I thought. Uh, so I call it a lot like a roadmap. So if I left from Seattle and wanted to drive to New York, a lot of ways I could go." But if I end up in Texas and think that I've arrived where I was headed, like there's somebody there to say, wow, you took a few wrong turns. If you want to go here, we have to change this. And so she takes notes and will pull things out and keep me on that task. And then I go, oh my God. So to have somebody else pay attention and tell you when you've gone astray, because, you know, we put our head down and just go, oh, I think this is the right way. I'm going for it. And you realize, again, you're in the wrong state, wrong direction, and you, you thought you were going down the right road. So that's The accountability, I think that's invaluable. And that's really what I wanted to replicate in my coaching program is so people are posting messages and selling things and and doing social media in a certain way. And it's like, before we have worked together, I ask you your goals. And so then as you post content and do things, I say, how does this keep you on track to this goal? Like, oh, I never thought about that. and Right. You know, that, that is I've, everything I learned from her. I've been able to apply to helping people in a much deeper way instead of just, OK, I'll make your social media troubles go away and tell you just what to do. Now it's a much deeper relationship and I can help them actually be better business owners because mm-hmm. they understand what they're doing and why in the bigger picture instead of, oh, Karen just said to do this.
0: So. Right. So then the, the last big win you had was publishing your first book. Uh, in 2014, you published simple social media uh, marketing your restaurant in 30 minutes a day. So, um, why why is that a big deal? Why why is uh, publishing a book a big deal for you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I mean, what? obviously,
0: it's a big deal. I'm not dis- right. I'm not d- diminishing the accomplishment there, but. How's that translated well, one into the, business? yeah one of
1: the bumps I came up against at the, right, really at the beginning starting to work with restaurants is that they're very cheap and don't have um, because <laughs> they put all the money into the food and the yeah. people and so profit margins in restaurants are very low so they don't spend money on a lot of things like marketing and mm-hmm. advertising and other things because they, they depend on word of mouth just like we do right. um, And so if they weren't going to pay me and didn't want to have me solve the problem, I thought, well let me teach you how to do this because I think it's important and here's why. So if I can teach you how to do it um, that will work well. And so I was blogging all the time and then doing those meetings. And then I realized if I pulled all the blogs and things that I knew together and put them into some chapters, it would make a book. And then I could sell it to people all over the country, not just the ones I actually could meet physically here in the Northwest. So the reason that it's important to have a book, what I found is that it's, it's kind of <laughs> tacky to say, but if you say you're an author, there is a different way people look at you and think of you and your knowledge. Right. The fact that you took, cause everybody says they want to write a book, but nobody does. So to have a book that actually helped people and then it got me speaking engagements, which then bring me in front of people that then decided to hire me. That's their way to meet me. Yeah. So it opened a lot of doors for speaking engagements, new clients, because if I wrote a book, well, then they would say that, oh, she wrote the book on whatever. So I had no idea that and it could be a 20 page book. It doesn't matter if you wrote a book, people all of a sudden. Treat you differently, and so it wasn't a best-selling this or on the New York Times. You know, you don't have to be to that level. Right. It's just author gives you some gravitas, maybe that other people will never get to.
0: Sure, and I, and I'm actually I, I've been quote unquote in the process of writing a book for mm-hmm. six years, five years now, something like that. But I've actually gotten off my ass and I'm actually <laughs> doing it now. And I've been working on it for several months now, and I'm hoping to have the bulk of it done by the end of the year, if not early next year. Um, and it's a huge, huge time commitment. I right. mean, this is not a. I mean, I have a whole lot more respect for people who've written books now than I did eight months ago. That's for sure.
1: Well, I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not blogged regularly. So that was one of the things I did that I try to teach clients too. Of if you have a knowledge base and an expertise in a field start putting it down in the form of blogs because guess what someday you pull those all together and make chapters out of them and they're a book you don't have to really sit down and write a book you and a lot of books are that they're a compilation of that's what memoirs are it's just oh tell your life story okay i can do that so i think um being able to do that in a organized way also told people about how i could work and like oh if you can write a book um you must have some ideas about how to grow my business and the, w- the way I did it, it's actually coming up is November is something called NaNoWriMo, which is a, the national write a novel month. And there's, there are plans out there for in 30 days, the month of November, there's a thing you do every day. And by the end of the month, you have a book written. Wow. And so I was just dumb enough to think, okay, I'll try this. I'll, I, I bet I can do it. And that was, I didn't finish it by the end of November, but I had it mostly done. It probably took me till later in January before I actually got it published. And then I just put it on Amazon where anyone in the world can find it. It still sits out there. People can buy it. Right. You can update it. So having a living online book is also different than a a hardback book that will become extinct and end up in the dollar pile, you know, at some store. So highly recommend if you have expertise, writing a book, even if it's a small one, um, and then selling it online is a way to get um, introduced to lots of different groups.
0: Yeah. And I, I, again, going through the process now and I'm not doing it the, the one month, version um, I, I kind of wish I would have known what that was right now but but uh, the the version got two weeks <laughs> yeah the version I'm doing is, is I just I'm carving out X amount of hours a week and I'd spend sometimes 10 hours a week sometimes mm-hmm. 15 hours a week sometimes two hours a week and I've got a you know an outline all that kind of stuff but I think for people who have written one uh, it shows a lot of cr- just fortitude and just mm-hmm. grit and just getting it done because it is a massive undertaking and I think that the people who have done it understand the, it's not like kind of like going to college, you know, you might not learn a whole lot, but you did it. You, right. can, you, you know, you, you got your degree when, when some of the folks didn't, you know. And, and well, and I
1: thought, it, I thought of it as a, another stream of business that I didn't actually ever turn it into. So somebody go ahead and come steal my idea. But, <laughs> you know, so I, it was, you know, marketing your business, your restaurant in 30 minutes a day. Well, it could be marketing your dental firm, marketing right. your real estate business. So I thought, it was a model that I could go back and apply to different industries. And then, cause if I, you'll buy the book if it's about real estate, but if I tell you buy the book about restaurant and just translate it in your head to yeah, your business, yeah, people yeah. are too lazy. Right. So there was a thought that that was going to become a long series. And, um, just, I got busy. I got raised boathouse. I got some other, um, the raised boathouse came right about as I finished that book. So I got busy with some other clients, but there still is that thought that, um, customizing per industry, um, Mm -hmm. can get you really far because uh, some of the classes I teach are clock hour classes for real estate agents. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones that care about that, but they care a lot about it and they need it to keep their certification. So they show up and take classes and pay me money and some become long-term clients. So it's another Avenue into a group of people that if you're considered an expert, all of a sudden they want you. So having a book makes you an expert, knowing about their industry and and just changing the title so it says them, they go, oh, that was for me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, they're opening the door and welcoming you right in.
0: Right. No, that makes perfect sense. So a couple a couple of things that uh, haven't gone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're, you mentioned conversation where people call you up and just say, hey, can we get lunch next so I can just pick your brain on something? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think I, uh, any... I don't know about anybody. I, many of us have gone through similar situations where, like in your words, you say you want to be the nice person and say yes, and and I'll schedule a meeting, and I'd, hopefully it'll turn into something. Generally, it doesn't. So how do you? So on one hand, we're saying, hey, our 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 mission in in this world is to go out and help people and give away all kinds of information, so they're going to promote you, and then we're also going to hear in a few minutes, we're going to say. When these people call these meetings, tell them that you know you're you're not a free right. not, not, I used to tell folks I'm I'm not structured as a nonprofit organization. <laughs> That's good. Um, I might be one right now, yeah. but I'm not structured that way with the IRS. So my right. my goal is to turn a profit <laughs> here. So uh, and I, it was kind of my, my lighthearted way to say, I'm here to help, but if you're looking for free advice, you know, call somebody else kind of a thing. Yeah. So what's the balance here?
1: That's really tough because by nature when you coach people and are in this sort of helping relationship, your job is to make them better. And so it's almost flattering when people say, can you can you tell me what to do because it yeah. makes you feel smart. So I've, I've, I did a lot of those early on. And you're really not actually helping the person to give them a little bit of that help and then send them off to try to figure it out themselves because right. they're still spending that time and energy and not getting it right. And then they say, oh yeah, Karen told me to do this. And so actually I think it look, can look bad for you. Mm-hmm. But I think... What I like to do is tell people, though, what you should do. But I don't tell you the how. Right. So if you say, well, what you know, how does somebody do this? Well, I can tell you A, B, C, D. And then you go, oh, how would you do that? Well, that's when you hire me as a coach. Yeah. But if I sit down and the, the coffee meeting is how do I do this? What would I say? You know, all that, that then becomes proprietary info of I I spent, have spent 20 years learning how to do this and you want it for free. And so if we start to give things away, then we don't are valuing our own business and then people expect that they don't have to pay others and that's really not fair.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, uh you said it really fast. I'm going to I'm going to back up cuz I think okay. that was a really good point you made there. So people ask you what to do and you say here's what you do. Here's steps 1 through 6 or 1 through 5 or whatever. And then say, "Okay, great. How do I do that?" And your answer was what?
1: Is that's when you hire me for a coaching that's session. That's when
0: you hire a professional, yeah. And
1: that's I wrote my book. If you get my book, 30 Minutes to Manage Your Social Media Every Day tells you what you need to do every day. I don't tell you how or how to customize it for your business or how to make it personal or how to show... Um, the personal side of your business, that's the part that we work together on and it's different for everybody. So I couldn't write a book and tell you that. but And that's speaking engagements. I don't show up and try to solve your problem. I show up and try to make you realize you have a bigger problem than you think and you need help from somebody like me and then you hire me. So right. I never show up in those situations thinking I'm going to really, I'll give you a couple of tips to take home and do okay but I'm not going to sit down and think that you can revolutionize your social media because you heard me speak for 30 minutes or had coffee with me.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, those meetings, um, if I, if I, when I get the point in the meeting where I feel like this is just them dismissing the value that I bring, um, that's when I I shut down. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is if if somebody asks, you know, a question, uh, you know, they say, okay, well, how do you do that? If I get the impression that this person is, is going to, Work with me in some kind of partnership. Again, go be my salesperson, mm-hmm. be a, an alliance, or something like that. I'm a little more giving yes. then. Uh, it's when I when I when my spidey sense goes off and I get that feeling that this is just a complete dismissal of my value and what I'm bringing to the table, and this is just completely all about them. Yep. That's when I'm just like, well, that's you know, that's when you hire me, or, or you, when
1: they say, you know, I need a cheap, affordable option. Or I so was like, <laughs> that's when the bells go off and go, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you give them a couple things that probably you need to do, and then you let them sit and go, oh. I guess I need to pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the world go round.
0: Right, 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 right. So I, I think that's a good – and, again, for people especially starting out, because you're you're saying yes to things that six months and six years later you'll never say yes to. Right. But it's one of those lessons you kind of have to learn where, oh, oh great, I have, a, I have a lunch meeting scheduled with so-and-so. Oh, I can't wait. And then you get there and you find out they're just trying to get the information for free. And such Yeah, a, they show it, up with a
1: pen and paper, then a, you know, yeah, just a
0: demoralizing <laughs> kick in the stomach. You're yeah. like, man, why did why – but you have to learn that a few times, so right. hopefully, hopefully, folks uh, after hearing you won't have to learn that the hard way. Um, we mentioned when you first started out, you, you thought all you had to do was create your website and your phone number and wait for the <laughs> wait for the calls to pour in. Uh, we had again, we had a similar story. We we all showed up at my house at six a.m. and waited for the calls to come in, <laughs> and uh, they they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you mentioned uh, not getting things in writing. How how did that – and yours is kind of a feel-good kind of thing sometimes and verbal, you know, I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's probably a lot of work to to document what the the limitations are to what you're going to do and what the expectations for them are. But when you don't, what what happens?
1: That's a business coach thing that has changed my life, right? Because she said, well, where's your contract? Where's your agreements? What did you – I'm like, what? What? Um, Because – I don't know, like most entrepreneurs, I love what I do. I'm pretty passionate about it. And if you look like you need help and want it and you are ready to go, I'm just like, all right, let's go. And people don't hear the details. They don't think that's what you said. And and
0: so I... And they lie.
1: And they lie, yeah. (laughs) That probably, like, oh, no, you didn't say that. So having an agreement where it says, you're going to pay me this much and I'm going to do this work. And even, I don't know that I've had it looked at by a lawyer, but I, have you know, have gotten it from, it's just a common standard. Probably wouldn't hold up in court, but at least... Well, you said we'd work six months, and here's what I said I would charge you. And I know I'm liable for my taxes, and it's a very you know easy agreement because mm-hmm. if we don't have that, yeah, memories all of a sudden fade. And I, I did some work in trade, which is another one one of the pitfall f- pitfalls I probably should have mentioned is working in trade is something that I think a lot of new entrepreneurs come up against. But so I, I did a some social media work for a company in exchange for a birthday party. So I'm like, all right, I'll do this for you and get you up and going and then I want to have this big party and you're gonna pay for it. Okay, great. That's cause for a restaurant that's a great trade. They can mm-hmm. make that go away and it's not money out of pocket. Yep. So I think it was fifteen hundred dollars worth of work and have this birthday party. So we did the party. I think we uh, spent eight or nine hundred dollars. So I expected, well I must have still have six or seven hundred dollars worth of credit. Well mm-hmm. they didn't see it that way. Well no, I said we said we'd throw you a party and I'm like, yeah, but it was this amount and we didn't. It wasn't this big, and we went back and forth, and it ended up to a lot of hard feelings. And I was done working with them at the end of that, so I don't know if it would have ended the relationship. But I still—that's the one time I never really got paid. Um, and I realized I had emails maybe that alluded to this, but there was just all of a sudden, yeah, amnesia about the discussion and just thinking, well, no, I we you did this work and we delivered a party. We're we're square, and yeah. So I with my business coach you know we have much more distinct agreements of how long we're going to work together what it will cost what the expectations are what to do when you want to end the relationship and you know you don't just get to kind of ghost somebody you have to like give yeah. notice and so i think that's a big thing that we forget because we just love what we do and we're eager to help people so we just agree and we start running down the road together and then when it's time to pay or somebody's late you know again I'm not a bouncer. I'm not an enforcer. I like I don't know what to do when people don't pay me, and so those are the times when you have to hire somebody. Else yeah, yeah, you hire so you somebody. Get yeah. it done. Yeah,
0: you know one of the things with uh, with contracts, you know, and and we're a my business we're a contractor, so I mean contracts are kind of implied in the in the name. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things I recommend for folks all the time is is not only spend a fair amount of time talking about what you're, what you're going to do, is give those three to five things that you know that they're probably going to expect you to do that you're not going to do. Hmm. Don't just say it's not in the contract, so I'm not doing it. Tell them. Tell them upfront. Don't let them figure it out on their own. Be the expert in your field and say right. most folks think I'm also going to do this, and I'm not. If you want me to do this, it's going to cost extra, yep. or I don't do that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because we're in a sales mode, and we don't want to, we don't want to say anything to ruffle anybody's feathers. We we skirt around that stuff. And when the, when those things go bad, they go very bad. Mm-hmm. And so I tell folks all the time, that, you know carve out those you you know what they're going to expect three months in that they don't expect now right you know that stuff and you know what stuff that you're going to do which, which stuff you're not so tell them don't yeah. don't be the expert be the professional be, right. the, be the one to say hey you probably don't think this is going to be a thing but this is going to be a thing and i am i going to cover that or am i going to cover it for right. this price and when it, when it when it when those things do pop up later then a you look like a hero for knowing what the hell you're talking about right and b you've covered your butt yep. right and when you don't do those things not only do you look foolish, for well, how did you not see this coming? You should have known I would expect this. Right. Uh, and so, anyhow, my point is um, on the contracts, not only specifically say, here's what I'm going to do, but here's specifically what I'm not going to do that is apply, you know, pertinent to this job. Right. That may not be to another one. And based on your expertise in my field, which is probably none if they're hiring somebody to, to do it, right. um, you might not know this. So, well, yeah,
1: just. And, and it may be a bad generalization, but I find, sadly, as women, we make this mistake way more than men do. Men are, my, the, my men, male colleagues are very good about, yeah, it's a contract it said this, paid it, you know, cut and dried. It's not even mm-hmm. a discussion. And women are much more touchy-feely like, well, but, you know, I feel bad because their kid went back to school. Or, you know, we make a lot of excuses for people and we wait a lot longer and it is, uh, can be a negative female trait. And you know, I'm not saying men yeah. don't do it, but I, I notice much, many more female entrepreneurs have trouble enforcing contracts and feeling okay about it. Like it feels icky somehow to make people agree to something instead of like, well, we'll just make it work. And right. so that's, I always am guarding against that because I just want to do the work and make you better and let's go. And um, so I, I have a hard time sometimes remember to drop the contract and, and hold people to it because it's like, well, we're just having fun. Let's just keep doing it. And yeah. then, you don't get paid once, and then it's like, oh, wow, this every, is what happens. Every
0: bad ending starts out just like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, 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 and and I mean, the, the, part of the problem is the math is you're going to get paid on 95% of what you do. It's that 5%. And yeah. so, okay, well, it's, it's probably not going to happen. These guys, are, I'm vibing with them if everything feels good and whatever. Yeah. And then you don't. And then, okay, well, that kind of stings. Well, then you don't get paid on a $10,000 job or something like that. And then it's like, oh. Well, and if
1: you're going to be in these networking groups with other people and these reciprocal, I help you, you help me one of those things goes wrong, then it becomes a really big problem because oh, now man. everybody else in the group knows something yep. happened and it can ruin a reputation very quickly. So yeah. if, it's, if it's in writing, people tend to go, Oh, well, you said you were going to do that pony up, you know, right. <laughs> you don't get
0: away with it. And, and when you're in those networking situations, I, I stress even more, have that list of exclusions, mm-hmm. have that list of things you're not going to cover. Yep. Um, mailing list. Talk to us, talk to us about mailing lists.
1: Yeah, that's something I, I, really glossed over when I started my business. I I went to lots of marketing sessions and heard webinars and oh you should build a list and everyone you encounter put them on your list and that just felt really icky to me so I didn't want to do it because I'm like I don't want to spam people which I didn't because I hardly ever sent anything but it felt odd to ask for people so I didn't and I realize now it's really actually kind of like LinkedIn right if you just never connected with people you wouldn't have any you wouldn't have 5,000 connections on LinkedIn like you have to ask people to connect right so asking them for an email address so that you can tell them when there might be something in the future that they'd be interested in, it felt really salesy. And and so what happened is, as I had classes or wrote a book or did something, I didn't have a list of people that I could send and say, hey, guess what, I wrote a book because I didn't want to bother them or make them feel icky by putting them on my list. So now I had no way to contact people other than on social media, which is still a great way. But a mailing list is much stronger because the whole Internet could blow up tomorrow. And all of your contacts, the relationships, things could go so wrong very quickly. Facebook goes down for a day and everyone thinks they're going to die, you know? So if you don't have a mailing list of a hard copy way to get, you know, call or email people directly that might be interested in your products and services, then you don't really have a great network.
0: Right. And I think uh, mailing lists, people, they react two ways. Either they ignore them entirely because you are spamming them and you're sending Mm -hmm. them something every three days or once a week or whatever and people just tune you out or they unfollow or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or... They kind of just hang on to it, and they 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 get around to it. And sometimes that might be in a month, sometimes it right. might be in a year and a half. Um, but if they keep it, their intent is to kind of get around to it, but you can quickly turn them off by just spamming them crap. Um, but if you if you use it the right way, they people will will tune in and mm-hmm. they'll and they'll read the stuff as they find it as they find the time and as they find the content valuable to them and things like that. But too many folks have ruined it. Right. <laughs> by just well, and I it. found a
1: really easy way to get people's email address is more of, I will give you something in exchange. So right. instead of give me your card, I'm going to send you something is, hey, if give me your email address. You can download this free how to manage your social media in your industry. Like I could give them one page instead of the whole book that then intrigues them and makes them think, oh, maybe I should hire her. So people are willing for a little in exchange. We'll give you their email address because they can always unsubscribe. So right. I didn't realize how easy it was. If I give you something, then neither of us feels so icky as we did before when it was like, oh, you're going to spam me. So, mm-hmm. no, you can't have my card. So, I, I just wish I had built that from the beginning instead of only in the last few years.
0: Right. And, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend folks build that, but use it properly.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if I'm on
0: it. Yeah. So, let's talk about social media now. So, we got, we got a handful of tips here for folks. Um, and you got some really good points on here. And we're going to go through these relatively quickly. We're okay. We're getting – we got about 10 minutes left here. Um, and we got about 10 points to cover here. So – Uh, First one is create a recurring appointment on your calendar every day. So talk to us about that.
1: Right. So social media, I I like people to schedule it into their day like they do anything else. So if you decide I'm going to give 15 minutes a day to my social media activities, we build a plan for that. If you want to spend one hour on Monday and do everything and schedule it out, schedule your posts out for the week or do everything, whatever it is, build some consistency. And if it isn't a recurring appointment, you will always find something else to do and just keep pushing it off. So. For me, it's the frequency and the reminder of I I need to touch this every day to make it actually worthwhile.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, Follow a daily checklist of tasks to accomplish each time you go on Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, This keeps you from going down a rabbit hole?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. People tell me, well, I got there and I just stared and I didn't know what to do or what to post, so then I started reading this or that, and then it was two hours and then I had to go back to work so nothing got done. So (laughs) I've created a little checklist. Squirrel. Yep, Squirrel. (laughs) Um, and I do it myself, so I, I, I totally understand how it, how it happens, but I created a checklist for Facebook, LinkedIn, a few other platforms where I give you six or seven tasks. So when you get there, do these things in this order. When you finish, then you get to go play. But then it gives you a purpose every day to show up and you know the things, and then after a while, you remember it yourself. But I literally make a little checklist and give people, put this on the wall and follow it, and that keeps them on
0: task. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, don't over- link, uh, Don't overlook LinkedIn as a key tool in maintaining your professional relationship. Um, so help us understand. So LinkedIn is a thing that, um, in fact, you helped me kind of get familiar with it a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different platform than Facebook. It's not where you're supposed to put pictures of cats and, and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. right? This is more of a professional networking, online networking right. association kind of, is that kind of how they look yeah, at and it? And
1: a lot of people think LinkedIn is only for when you need a job. Or it's just your online resume, which it can be both of those things, but it has so much more application than that. And so I call it your reputation management tool. So if I didn't know you and you invited me to be on this podcast, the first place I would have gone is I would have gone to LinkedIn and looked you up. Who are you? What have you done? Do we have any people in common? Do I like you? Do I do we right. want to talk to you. And so people are going to LinkedIn and looking for you. So if you're not there or you haven't looked at it in 20 years or you have bad information, you're actually sending business away. So it's a place more so than Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else that people expect it to be your professional representation of who you are and how you can help them. And if it isn't, they quickly bounce away to your competition. So what, so
0: uh, I I don't know for everybody else. I I'm new to LinkedIn. So Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I've heard is talking to folks about, Hey, I'm doing this on LinkedIn. And one of the things I hear is, well, nobody's on LinkedIn Yeah. (laughs) or they don't check it or they check it once a month. they, They get the email and say, Hey, you got nine things pending, and every three weeks—that's how I used to do it. Was mm-hmm. once every three or four weeks, I'd finally okay, I've got enough emails. I'll, I'll go click. I'll just click the box real quick, and then get right. back off to do something else. That's what my point is. That, that kind of sounds like what the perception is right. out there, but then there's also I see folks now that I have kind of I do carve out some time here mm-hmm. and there to go look at it. Um, I see folks who are very active on there, and I don't see them on Facebook because yep. they're very much more in yeah, that nothing, business Yeah, nothing, business
1: isn't getting done on Facebook. You're getting some visibility and get to showcase some products and your people and whatever. But on LinkedIn, people are saying, do you know someone that needs, this? it's just like those on, um, in-person networking groups. Someone's like, hey, my roof fell in last night. Who knows a roofer? Like they don't go to Facebook. They might, but it, on LinkedIn, oh yeah, I know three roofers. Here's their names. Call them now and tell them you know me. Or I'm looking for a speaker for this class. Do you know anyone? And they're like, oh, wait, Karen speaks. Here, let me connect you two. Or it's, you know, it's, the average income on LinkedIn is 112,000, I believe now. Um, 80% of them are decision makers in their what's, company. What's
0: the average on Facebook? Yeah, I can't. 29.
1: Yeah, <laughs> might be very low. So you know, they're people with money that can buy your products and services. They can make a decision about whether to hire you. I mean, you're not having to go. Oh, I got to ask my boss. And this, and, you know, people are there because they want to do business and they want to know about your professional offerings. And so, what happens is I'm you're discovering you show up and you add value. All of a sudden, stuff starts happening. So.
0: So, so, what should what should folks who are new to LinkedIn, like myself, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, my, my profile's accurate now, it's updated, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I haven't posted much on there. I don't really, what, what am I supposed to post? So, i not kittens and my, my family right. pictures. So, what, what so do you I do So, you can instead? post
1: things about your industry. There might be some information you have that other people would like to know about. You might share the info about your podcast so people will listen to it. You might have read a great article about starting a small business or so you want to be an entrepreneur or there are things that you see and do that other people don't know about. And they're thankful when you share it because you're like, wow, I would have missed that. So you're adding value all the time in terms of content. And the other thing is you go support other people's content. So there's a news feed just like there is on Facebook. If you go through there and not just like, 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 but if you say, oh, great job, congratulations, nice article, thanks for sharing. That leaves your name on that person's profile and other people might see it and say, well, who are you? And, you know, it's just a, a process of supporting, again, just like the referral, word of mouth, building those relationships. You do that on LinkedIn by leaving supportive comments and helping the other person um, get visibility. Because when you comment, it shows up in front of the people that follow you. So you're giving them a wider audience just by commenting.
0: Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so you mentioned also, and I just talked about it when, when you helped me. Was one of the first things was getting my my profile complete mm-hmm. and current, and and you mentioned if people if your information is wrong, of course they're not gonna they're not gonna do the homework for you. They're not gonna try to figure it out. They're yeah, one, I, I one to, click and they're done. Right. I
1: tried to buy a car from a guy I knew in the past, and I went to LinkedIn to get his contact info, and he was a said it was he. He was a financial planner now. So I moved on without him and he messaged me back shortly thereafter and said, no, I went back to selling cars six months ago. Come see me. Uh, I already bought a car from a competitor at his own dealership. So he lost a car sale because he didn't change his LinkedIn profile because I would have waited for him. Yeah. Um, so like, that's why I call it reputation management is, do you know, you might be repelling people or sending them away or giving them the wrong impression about what you do? Because just the basics, just... Uh, what we did with you of just filling out your headline and do you have a summary and as your experience, do you have connections? If you do that and don't want to ever touch it again, that's better than having it. Well, somebody in my company started it for me and I don't (laughs) know the password. And so somebody's coming to that account and going, Oh, this is how Brian does business. Look, he doesn't have a picture. He doesn't, uh, yeah, let's find somebody else. So yeah.
0: Um, And we're not using this as a platform for sales, right?
1: I mean, you earn the right to advertise your products and services when you give good Um, value that isn't so I say 80% of the time you post things that help other people and and bring other things to awareness and things in your industry and just be smart about um, what you do and what you know and then you earn the right to go oh hey I'm having a workshop or oh did you know we do this but if you go on there every time and just want to advertise yourself then that's not building relationships that's just using it as a sales tool and people are turned off
0: gotcha um and, and you mentioned also ex- establishing what your why is. We're, we're, our point here is to explain why we're here, why we're doing this, not just give me money, right? Right.
1: P- yeah, people buy, if they know like, oh, you like the Seahawks and you have a cat and you drive this car, like, oh, okay, cool. I want to work with you because that's what I like too. Like people are looking for a reason to bond with you. So if you give them something, then that bring can bring in sales much quicker.
0: Right. Um, and see here. And then we talked about nobody, nobody goes on there to be sold to. So have a mixture of, other things that are not there, I guess the, the just what you're saying is it's it, what's in it for everybody else. Stop. Yeah. What's in it for you. You and post stuff that other
1: people want to see, not what you want to post. Right. So I think that that's a real switch. And most of us create our websites and post social media content because we'll say, I've done this. I can do that. Come see me this. And instead. It's, Hey, you've been up all night worried about this. I, this is what might help you. And then they go, Oh my God, she knows me. Yes. I'll call you. Right. So yeah, it's always about the other person. And that's what most people miss in marketing.
0: Right. And then uh, finally, you mentioned uh, establishing clear goals for your activity on each platform, so, kind of like you said, your, your, your checklist, checklist and things yeah. like that. Yeah, so. Um, well, Karen, really, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. How do folks get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Karen Rosenswag. Uh, I think I'm the only one. Uh, one Smart Cookie Marketing is my Facebook page. Um, my website is onesmartcookiemarketing.com. And, uh, yeah, get in touch with me. I Free estimates, free chat. Tell me your situation, what you're looking for. I'll tell you if I can help you or not. If not, I have lots of other people in the social media world that are colleagues of mine that do what I don't do. And so I will make sure that we find you a solution somewhere.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. it you uh, welcome. Tons of great information, and I really enjoyed hearing about your story. That's Thank you. pretty fascinating. Uh, for those listening, next week we're going to have on Chuck Swigert to talk about not only his business, which is a karate dojo, but he's also going to talk to us about how to use karate principles to develop grit and self-improvement within yourself. So that's all for today. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for Karen for coming in, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.